Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new podcast. Today we're joined by an amazing guest. To me, he's more than a friend. He's an inspiration. Mr. Kenny Kayo is a film director. He's a cinematographer and an economist. Kenny Kayo, welcome to our podcast. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate you for having me. Um, it's been a pleasure knowing you and seeing how you, you know, you've been able to do um, do this from the ground up, and now you have a wonderful community as well. So um, I'm just happy that you know I, I get to be a part of this. So thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks okay. for having me. Okay. Um. So first things first. Um. Briefly introduce yourself. Who is Kemi? Right. Right. Um. I always mess up this part of when I have to introduce myself, <laughs> but. Um, I will try to be as clear as possible. So my name is Temitayo Adigboega. Um, I'm from Nigeria. I'm currently a doctorate student here at um, Jiangsu University of Finance and Economics. So I'm doing research around trade and sustainable development. Um, but then as well, I'm also a filmmaker. I'm a cinematographer. I'm a director. Um, I've worked on quite a number of projects here for um you know for brands within and outside of china um i've done quite a few documentaries here as well with um some some of the you know the guys here xinhua news um and some of the other tv stations um right what else can i say about myself (laughs) i guess that's just a that's just a pretty rough cut about me i'm a very um i don't think there's a lot to me you know outside of the things that I like to do, filmmaking, um, I read and yeah, pretty much. But I guess that's a, that's a brief summary of, of who I am, if that works. <laughs> okay, um, on, the, on the issue of film direction, so to be honest, you, when I first had a glimpse of the work, right. it, was, it, it was on your YouTube channel, I think almost right. exactly a year ago. And I saw wow. the way you were, it, it started with you doing this unboxing videos of cake, which I kind of like, and okay. then it just went to your creativity side. Right. And I want to ask, um, what was that inspiration for you to start cinematography? Um, so I've, I've had a very creative background. Um, I grew up in the church. I think a lot of people don't know that. So I started playing instruments at the age of, what, five? as far as I can remember. Um, I started playing drums, I started playing the piano. Um, I mean, now I still play those instruments. I play about five to six musical instruments. Um, so I sort of grew up in that environment where I was very creative, but I mean, I didn't know what I wanted to do at that point, right? Cause it was just, you know, we're having fun and doing things like that. Um, I think when I really started dialing in into film and cinematography was, um, after Before I came to China, I was working as a consultant for a multinational firm, and I was in charge of marketing. So it started from just trying to make marketing videos, like, okay, let's put something together for the brand. Um, let's see what we can do to promote the brand and, and yada, yada, yada. And I remember my first ever video that I made was actually something off work. It was a video for a lounge, a music lounge, where people would go to and chill out and and things like that. And I made that cut and we sent it to the guy. He loved it, right? 
And I'm like, oh, wow, he really liked it. And, you know, I'm like, okay. So that was where that started from. Um, when I came to China as well, then I dived into mobile filmmaking. Um, and then during COVID, I made a documentary for some of the international volunteer students here. And at that point, I mean, I knew I loved making videos, but I didn't know how much I really wanted to do it. Um, and after I made that film, it went on like the national TV across like the whole province to like Beijing and things like that. So it felt kind of like, oh my God, like this is my work on multiple stations, right? I, I would have like friends calling me from Beijing. Yo, we saw your video on TV, like good work, man. What, what camera did you film on? Like, you know, and I'm like, I use my phone. And they're like, no way, that's not a phone. Like I use my phone. Um, so it was at that point I realized that this is something that I want to do. Um, and luckily at the time, I also had friends, I mean, not in China, outside of China, who were going into cinematography. Some of them were already film directors and things like that. Um, so I think I just had that environment where it was always about film. And most of my friends were into creative um, endeavors. So, right, I think it was during COVID, I was like, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to be a film director. And I went 100% into film. And, and since then, it's been, it's been a great journey so far. Okay. Um, so if someone looks at your YouTube channel, right. there are videos about tech. Right. Yeah, videos where like that video about you and a plant, mm. <laughs> and then they're just random videos about you and documentary videos. Right. So, what would you say is your niche on your YouTube channel? The videos you kind of produce. Right. Um. I mean, I have, I have a, I have a philosophy about YouTube, especially for someone who is, um, who is like in my, my genre, which is mostly cinematography and film, um, the short answer is, I'm still figuring it out. Um, the long answer is to, to create a successful YouTube video, to create something that you can truly say, oh, I, I now have a style, or I have a niche. Um, one of my friends would usually say, you need to make at least 100 videos before you can truly start to dial in what you want to do. So I would say that everything I have on my YouTube channel now is just me trying to experiment. It's all vibes. Um, I think I'm just at a point now, I, I already have 100 videos up on my channel. Um, I'm just now at a point where I can truly say that this is what I want to do with my channel. This is the direction that I want to go to. So I think that everything on my channel now is not a reflection of where I want my channel to be. But they're sort of like um, my learning curve of how my filmmaking has developed from um, when I started up until this point. So really, do I really know what my channel is about? Now, yes, I do know. Um, my channel is going to be anything in and around film. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, there's reason behind that. There's a strategic reason behind that. But... I also want it to be about the business of filmmaking because one of the things that I'm passionate about is people who just want to create content but don't necessarily know how to turn that into a career 
or how to make money off of it. Um, people want to make films, but they don't know how to finance a film. Film is, is a business anyways. It's just as um, it requires capital, just like any other kind of business that you are into. So I want to take my experience moving forward um, and the ones that I would get in the future and sort of put that into my channel, um, especially for storytellers and filmmakers from the African continent so that I can help give a leverage position where um, they have enough information to be able to make whatever they want to make. So that's where my channel will go to. Um, but I would say I'm just starting to dial that in now. So if someone goes to my channel, like I have videos up there, they're like vlogs of just me chilling. Um, I have tech, I mean, I do like tech products by the way, so that's probably not gonna go away. Um, and then you can find a lot of filmmaking, camera, um, cinematography things and, and all of that. Um, but the end goal is to get my channel to a position where people can look to my channel as a resource for just not filmmaking, but the business of filmmaking. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm trying to take it to. Wow. Wow. Amazing. And one of my favorite videos was right. the video, was the video you shot on Africa day this year. Oh <laughs> yeah. It right. was one of my favorite videos. So right. I just want to ask, I was wanting to ask you this question, I have the opportunity. Right. How, how did you come up with that idea and the way it flowed and the screen and, you know, the way it came out, it was so creative. Okay. Talk to me about that video. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, thanks for, for saying that. Uh, I think that's also probably my fa most famous video in China. Um, so I've, I've had, like I said before, a lot of the work that I'm trying to do now especially here in the China Africa space is to try to tell the African narrative as well. Um, you know, a lot of work is going into bridging the China gap, telling Chinese story, but you know, we also have to tell the African story. So for me, when it was that, um, it was that celebration, right? The Africa day. And I was like, you know what? Um, how about, I wanted to do something that was exquisite, something that sort of shows the African culture as badass, if you, you can say. Um, so I reached out to a couple of friends and I'm like, do you guys have like your, your traditional attires? Do you, you know, can you dress up for like a couple hours? Like I have this idea that I want to execute about this and that and all of that. And um, the good thing was I also spoke to Michelle um, I don't know if you know Michelle. Michelle is this wonderful, amazing lazy, um, lady from Zimbabwe. Um, I've had her on my podcast as well. She's very Pan-African, right? So I spoke to her about the idea and she wrote the poem that you heard in that film. She wrote it, right? So it was an amazing poem and everything. Um, so we were trying to get someone as well who could recite the poem in a very like a traditional elder African style way, uh, but we really couldn't find, we, we couldn't find someone who had that, you know, that character. Mm. But so we went with another guy as well, um, Leon Menashe from Zimbabwe. So he was the one who recited the poem. Um, the visual style that I was just going for was mostly trying to um, show one, a happy, a happy vibe. So you would see that in a lot of the, the, the frames there, 
I had multiple people in the friends to just sort of emphasize the concept of unity, despite the fact that we're from different countries, but we're bounded by being African. Um, I also wanted to show it from a perspective of being um, exquisite. So um, in terms of how they dressed up, in terms of the, the direction of the film, um, it was to sort of show them as being powerful. And because we are powerful people, um, and that's what I was trying to go for in that film. Um, so yeah, we, you know, it was just, it, and I mean, shout out to everybody who took part in that film because it was cold that day, it was raining. Um, and everybody just, they had fun, which was very good. Uh, so when you have people behind, you know, you have people on your set, if you can help them have as much fun as possible, you will enjoy directing them. So that film is basically a present to the world in showing them that we are a very happy people. Um, we are royalty because we, we do believe that. We do believe that we're royals. And I just really wanted to show that in that film. Um, and we did. I think we did because a lot of people who watched it, a lot of the feedback that we've gotten from that it was it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. Um, even some of my some of my colleagues at the China Africa Council here in Jiangsu Province, I sent the video to them um, because they were trying to make something for you know to sort of celebrate the African Day um, as well. And I sent that to them, and they were like, "Wow, like this is so this this is so good." So it was a very um, warm reception to that film, and I think it sort of just gave off the the feeling that I wanted it to give up. A lot of people became curious about African cultures just by watching that film. Cause they're like, oh wow, like this, what's that dress like? Um, what's, what's that thing on that lady's hand? What's this, what's that? So it sort of brought up those conversations. Um, and I think because the film was captured in a way that it, it shows them in an elegant manner, um, people sort of liked it. And that's, that's what I was going for. So that was basically the inspiration behind that. I wanted to show a strong, beautiful, united, and elegant Africa um, that we really are. And that's what I was trying to achieve with that. And I think, I think we did. I think we did. Okay, wow. And I've seen you do a lot of cake unboxing videos. Right. And usually say that um, they're not being sponsorship, it's just you buying your stuff and you're just giving your view about it. Right. Uh, but you seem to be so biased towards Apple. <laughs> 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 but I like that one. Also. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to ask, when you're doing content creation, getting the right, right gadgets is kind of expensive and hard. So how right. do you navigate that? Um. So I have a philosophy that I think I learned from my dad, which is, if I'm going to buy something, I'm just going to buy the best that I can possibly get. And I take that approach to gear as well. Um, so if I'm going to buy a piece of gear that I know will help my filmmaking business or anything, um, I just, I tend to buy what is, I mean, it might not be ridiculously expensive, but I know that it's something that I will use for the next five to six years. And I don't have to worry about, um, the technical side of creative. Um, and a good example is my laptop. So when I started making films, 
my life. I was using a 2015 MacBook Pro. Um, and I remember then just trying to render out one sequence, right? I would have to go and do something else and come back to make sure that my film had rendered and then I would continue editing. And that was just a lot of problem because I was wasting time. And for me, time is the most important thing in making films and making any kind of content. Um, the longer you spend, right? It's that's less time you have to think of creating something new. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go all out. And I got, I got the M1 MacBook Pros, the M1 Max and everything, just because I wanted to take away all those tiny bottlenecks that affect how you create. So I think that has always been my approach. Now, I'm not sure if it's the most logical approach, but it works for me. Um, so I would, I, I mean, gear is, people say, oh, gear doesn't matter this when you're making content. Honestly, it does. It does. I'm not going to lie. It really does. Um, there's a lot of examples that I can think of, maybe in terms of even something as small as the lights that you're using. So, um, I mean, this is me about to like nerd out and things like that. Um, the, the, the lights that a lot of people use, they're not color accurate. So a lot of people might not be able to see that. But for me, when I bring that back into post-production and I start to work in my film, I, I, all, I see that and then that's extra work that I have to do um, because there's something called a base correction, which is you bring your film, your clips, whatever, to the best natural colors that you can get. And then after that process, you start to craft a look, how you want the film to feel, how you want the film to look, which is why, for example, if you watch Hollywood films and they show Mexico, Usually, what's the color of Mexico in films? It's usually warm for whatever reason. It's just it's weird because that's not true, but it's a feel. They want you to think that Mexico is hot. It is, um, it's, there's a lot of heat and things like that. Or if you look at a film that is shot in um, maybe one of the Arab countries or something like that, it's usually warm. It's usually that same vibe because colors evoke a feeling. So for me, I want to get to the closest thing as fast as possible so that it reduces the amount of work that I have to do in post-production. So I think that's why I say gear matters. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't know what you're doing, whether you buy an expensive piece of gear or not, you're still going to make crap. So you still have to know what you're doing. Um, before you start thinking about gear and everything. I, and I guess that's why people advise um, people who want to start to just don't think about the gear. Start, get into the process. And then the more you make those things, you start to figure out, oh, this is what I need. This is, I probably don't need this. This is going to make my work faster and things like that. Um, so that's, that has always been my approach to anything tech. Buy what you can buy now that you can afford um, sort of like the, the best premium that you can afford. And then you, you're okay for the next four or five years. The thing with gear is every year, there's always something new. Mm. So you can't just sort of like wait and be like, oh, I'm going to wait for the best one. There's always going to be the next best thing. So buy something that you know will give you leverage for the next 
four or five years that's going to cover you because at that time you should have made back the money invested in that piece of gear um so yeah that's that has always been my approach i mean i can't advise anybody else to do it i don't know but <laughs> that has always been my approach okay um another part of your work for which i'm passionate about i think i told you before we started this podcast is your podcast the outreach <laughs> podcast yeah um, you hosted me at a time in my career where i felt i needed a platform to express myself and you gave me that opportunity and i'm really grateful for it it's like you took a better <laughs> but <laughs> well, i'm really grateful for for that and you you are the man the people i looked up to when i was starting this own podcast of mine so probably uh, our our the podcast would be the same or kind of different but i want to ask what was your inspiration to start the outreach podcast right um one i do like to talk to people um secondly when i mean as a as 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 a nigerian i don't know a lot about other countries in africa i mean like yeah and that is something that is common to not just me i think a lot of people and the fact that we'll, we came to china i think that is one of the things that has sort of opened up a lot of space where we can start having interactions with ourselves so um i've met people who speak portuguese and they're african i've met people who speak spanish and they're africans i you know and i'm like wow there's so much that i do not know about the people from my continent so my initial um drive to sort of start that podcast was to make it just an african podcast which is get people to share their experiences get 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 it was bit, i wanted to be initially it was going to be centered around me and sort of like my journey experiencing the other cultures right But then I thought about it I'm like hold on this can be more than that. Um yes I do want to I do want to learn about other cultures but I think it would be more useful for anybody who would listen to hear to hear someone's real life experience. So what they've been through um how they've been able to navigate whatever challenges and problems that they've had. And it was at that point I decided to sort of extend it to not just africans but sort of like anybody who has an interesting story to tell um but the concept of interesting now is where it becomes subjective right um and i sort of measure that in two perspectives which is one how useful is this story to other people right um and useful in terms of is there something new here that we can learn you know um which is why when i spoke to you um one of the things that i thought was very useful in our conversation was when you spoke about the digital media space and it was coming at a time when a lot of young people were starting to get into the creative industry they were starting to make things and all of that um a lot of them at the time might not even be aware that there's a whole industry around this thing you know um so that was that um that was where you know the usefulness of your insights came into that um and the second thing would be how interesting is this thing 
right? Um, and I use um, Michelle, Mimi's conversation that when she was in the podcast and everything. And the, the concept of, she spoke about feminism and how she's not a feminist and how um, her perception of feminism seems to be encroaching on the African culture. So it was kind of like a very interesting conversation with a lot of dynamics, you know, that would strike anybody's curiosity to say, okay, even if I know what she's saying, but I still want to hear that perspective. Um, so that was, that's sort of like the, the strategy behind how I approach out this podcast now. Um, and the last person that I had um, was Ling, who, I mean, she's an amazing individual. Um, she, she has a very interesting story. She left her career from material chemistry. I mean, what parents is not going to like their child doing material chemistry, right? She left that to become a full-time content creator. And this is in China, where there's a very high demand for success. And it's like, oh my God, really? Why? Um, so we had that conversation and, you know, she shared a lot of insights as to um, how she undertook her journey and, and things like that. So that is the primal objective of my podcast. It's to basically talk to anyone and everyone that has something interesting to say and that people can learn from because um, it's, not a, it's not a popularity contest, you know? Um, it's not a, we're not only looking to talk to people who are celebrities or people who really have something going. You don't even have, you don't need to have something going on. But as long as you have a story that is interesting and that people can learn from, um, we will have you on the show. So that is the, that's the direction of, of the podcast. And that's why I started that podcast to basically give an open table for anyone who has a story that they want to tell. Okay. Um, then there is, okay, then there's this question, you know, I've been following you on your socials ever since right. you did that podcast. And right. I feel like you kind, you're, you're quite vocal on Twitter, but silent <laughs> on Instagram. So right. you like Twitter more than Instagram? 100%. 100%. Right. Um, I think that Twitter yeah. is is a more practical social space. I think that the quality of relationships that you can have on Twitter is way better than Instagram. Um, the, there's a vain element that I've always felt about Instagram where there's a lot of vanity metrics on, on, on Instagram. On Twitter, it's, it's more of a, it's more, I don't know if I can use the word intellectual, you know, because there's really not, a lot of emphasis on pictures. It's more of how much of a how much of a conversation can you start? How much of a conversation can you hold? And I've always liked that about Twitter. I've been using Twitter since Twitter before Twitter became famous, right? So uh, for me, Twitter is kind of like what LinkedIn is to people who work in the corporate um, sector. Most of my friends today, most of the people that I've met, uh, most of the international projects that I've worked on, um, for, um, for example, I worked with Cassius uh, Reyna. Cassius Reyna is a director from BBC. And we were just Twitter buddies. 
exchanging Twitter commentaries and things like that. And during COVID, he texted me. I was like, hey, I'm putting together this film and I'm working with directors and cinematographers from around the world. Um, would you like to document China? And I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know, because this is someone who, I mean, Cassius is a pretty well-renowned filmmaker, you know? Um, he's transitioned from, I think he sort of ushered me into mobile cinematography because he went from traditional filmmaking using B cameras and everything and decided to go the mobile filmmaking route. And this guy travels the world now teaching people how to make films on their mobile phones, you know? Um, so that opportunity came from Twitter. I think a lot of my friends now who are like industry, industry people, um, I've met them via Twitter, you know? Um, interesting stuff. I actually met someone who um, is going to be, so I'm taking a course in filmmaking and apparently one of the teachers or one of the facilitators that's going to be teaching the film course follows me on Twitter. And then, so I see is, I, I just check out his Twitter profile. I'm like, hey, hi, I see you're an alumni of this thing. And it's like, yeah, I actually teach at this. And I'm like, holy smoly. And it's like, man, I've been following your work. Like, you, you're good, man. And I'm like, okay, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, you know, in that case, having someone who is literally going to be my teacher telling me that I've been following your work and I think you're good is, I mean, I was like, okay, okay, maybe I am good. Maybe I am good. Give me a minute to, to brag here. Maybe I am good, but... Um, you know, it, it just sort of felt, it felt, um, it felt good to be able to have, you know, connection, real connection. I think that's the word I'm looking for. It's a real connection on Twitter. You can make real friends in whatever industry that you're in. You can share your work. You know, that's another thing. Um, I find Twitter to be that platform where I share something on cinematography and people give you real time feedback and tell you why they think this is um this is this should be better or this is this and this is that on instagram you don't really have that it's very difficult to um establish a connection to someone that you don't know in person i mean that might just be my perspective but i feel like on twitter most of my closest friends and colleagues in the industry now i've never met them in person but we've done multiple projects together halfway across the world because there's a real connection there, you know? Um, Instagram, it's just, I think it's just vain, you know? And now with all these changes that they're bringing in um, to the algorithms, to the, now Instagram is no longer a photo app. It's now videos. It's, so it's like, uh, it's just, yeah. I think Twitter is still the most logical for any creative to be on because you get to meet real professionals that you can exchange feedback, you can contribute, and you can, you know, join a community or start an actual community there. So that's definitely why I choose Twitter over Instagram any day, anytime, any day. Team Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so... What advice would you give content creators? Wow. 
So how, how would you define a content creator? What, what is that? Because I find there's a, there's a thin line to what people think content creating is and what it isn't. So what, do you, what would you define content creating as? Let me say maybe someone who is in full, like podcasting like we're doing. Okay. Um, someone who is in full geography like we're doing. Okay. Or even someone who's into TikTok videos, something like a TikTok influencer. Okay. That's kind of someone in the TikTok space creating their own work. It, okay. could, even be, it could even be TikTok art, if I put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you mean anything that's related to audio visuals? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, because I also consider people who write creators because they're making yeah. content. Um, okay. Oh, interesting. What advice would I give to content creators? <laughs> wow. First of all, if you're making TikToks, I, I don't think I have an advice for them because I think my the kind of things that I want to create, um, they are more long form. And TikTok is a very different platform. I still don't understand it. I'm not on TikTok, by the way, um, for a lot of reasons. One is the, the neuroscience of TikTok and what it does to, to people. So that is why I'm not on TikTok. But I would say generally is to figure out what your story is. Um, story is king in anything. If you do not have a story, you really don't have anything. You know, you can have a fancy um, cinematography style. You can have the best camera. You can have the best tools. But at the end of the day, story is what people are going to stay for. And that's how you're going to build your community. That's how you're going to build your brand. The second thing that I would say is expect that you will suck at the beginning don't expect you know i hear people sort of text me um and they're like oh i want to get a camera what camera should i get and eventually i do recommend a camera to them they film once or twice and they come back and be like i don't like how it looks this camera is shit this camera is not good and i'm like well no you are shit the camera is not the problem it's it's you um people don't people expect that which is why I say again, gear doesn't matter. Story matters. But people focus a lot on gear and expect the gear to do, to do everything. They just think, once I film in this camera, it's going to look good. It's going to be perfect. Not really. Not really. So expect that you will suck, but appreciate that because that's your journey. Um, learn to appreciate those things you will look back on those videos on that podcast a year from now and be like oh my god like that was me i've really come a long way and you can appreciate yourself you can celebrate yourself um so yeah that would be another advice which is um don't expect things to be good straight away um give time for growth um i think my next advice would be to collaborate with other people because you never know when someone is going to just pop off. So as long as the person is 
creatively inclined with you. And by that, I mean, you guys connect on a creative um, vibe. Collaborate with other people. Um, you develop that way. You learn things that way. Um, you get to meet incredible people that way. I'm now friends with a lot of cinematographers in Shanghai, especially because I joined, um, there's a film competition that it's, I think it's done every year, the 48 hour film festival. And one of my friends invited me to that festival to join as, um, as a director, but I eventually joined as an editor. So we made a feature film in 48 hours and it was, it was an experience. But today I have a whole crew where if we need to do any commercial cinematography, I have people that I can call, hey guys, we have this, can we, you know, rodeo in like eight and everything and we'll, we, we, we work together. So collaborate with people because it will build your network. You will get to, um, you get to learn new things by working with other people. I think another thing that I would also mention is to self-develop yourself. Wow, that's a, that's a repetition, self-develop yourself. <laughs> but um, learn, to, learn to work on your craft. Understand that it takes time, but learn. Learn something new every day. So there are a lot of videos that I make that doesn't even get posted anywhere because I'm just practicing a new technique that I want to see, or I'm practicing uh, a new composition skill, a new something, you know? Um, so I, I film a lot of those things and they never see the light of day. But if I do a hundred of those things, whenever I need to use that style in, let's say a commercial job or a film that I'm working on, because I've done it, you know, a lot of times, I can easily put that, pull that out of my of my creative hat and just and just work on that. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot that I can that I can say, but I think I'll just probably leave it. Oh, and the last one would be to um so understand that you are a brand as a creator. Right? The difference between a brand and someone who's just making things for fun is you give yourself the threshold to make some sort of revenue from whatever you do. If you create as a brand, the likelihood of other brands reaching out to you to say, hey, you know what, um, can we just sort of work together? I like how you do this. Um, we will send you this or we can pay you for this to, to collaborate and things like that. Because you approach your content as a brand, as opposed to just, oh, I'm having fun. Or, and it's good to have fun, but at the same time, um, approach your creativity as a brand. Uh, it will definitely, definitely help you in the long run, especially if you plan to do this long term. Um, right. And one thing that one other thing that I would also say is expect to burn out. There are days when you will not feel like making anything, and that's okay. And that's okay. Um, some people say force it, like, oh, just make something. I think, no, if you are not inspired to make something, chill out, rest, get yourself back, and then go again, right? Um, I look at it as working out. If you're sore, if you're injured, 
you probably don't go back into the gym in the name of, oh, I'm trying to get my pump and I'm trying to work my body. No, because you are injured. So take some time to rest and then come back and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So I'm just going to, I'm going to stop there before I keep going on. <laughs> okay. Um, my last question would be to you. What has been your biggest highlight in your journey? Oh, me, content that moment you're like, yeah, I think I'm happy and I've made it. Huh. Yeah, I have to think about that one for a minute. Um, I think I've had multiple moments where I've gone like, hmm, I'm happy. I don't think I've gone, oh, I've made it, but I think it's sort of like, I've had moments in my filmmaking career where I feel like I finally found what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, and take this from someone who, I mean, I have a BS in economics. I have a master's in international business. I'm doing a PhD in international trade. Um, I've worked as an associate consultant for two years in a multinational firm. So I've worked corporate for two years. Um, I've tried my hands in a couple of things. I used to be a rapper. You probably don't know, but I've rapped. <laughs> I've rapped. I was state champion at one point, the best state rapper in, in a state. Um, I've been on, you know, I've done radio. So I think I've tried my hands in a couple of things. And to finally be here now where I feel like, great, this is what I want to do. Like, I'm really satisfied within my soul. Um, and I feel like I can make a difference in the world by making films. So, and, I, you know, filmmaking is the only thing that gives me that, that feeling. But I would say the first one was when my first film went up on TV and then people were calling me like, Oh, I saw your film on TV. I saw your film on TV. I saw your film on TV. Um, the second one was when we did a project here with um, the International Education Office, the Foreign Affairs Office, and I was in charge of producing and directing a documentary that was showing the bilateral relationship between China and Russia. And I made that documentary I mean, it was kind of like a rush. We made it in like, what, four days? And it, we entered that film into a competition. We won. Um, and I sort of do this thing where like, I went back and I'm like, okay, let me see what the other films are like. Let me just see how good the cinematography um, looks like. And we sort of had the best film in terms of the production value of what we did. So I think I was really, really impressed with that. Um, after we finished everything, they even sent like a, like a sigil to like, oh, thank you for your film and, and things like that. Um, and I think the most current one is when I finally got to meet um, Amy, Amy Fox. Amy Fox is, uh, she's, she's kind of like a mentor now, or she's someone that I look up to in terms of film financing. She knows a lot about film financing. Um, she's a Canadian producer and she worked on the last Bruce Willis movie. Um, so, I mean, she'll probably be on my, on my show in a couple of weeks from now, but 
having access to that caliber of person in Hollywood sort of made me feel like, oh my God, like I'm doing this. I'm really doing this. Um, and a lot of the work that I'm trying to do with her is trying to see how um, we can sort of help people in a lot of non-Hollywood countries to understand the concept of film financing and how you can make money from your films or get money to make your films. So it's something I'm really looking forward to. And just to think that five years ago, I had no clue about, I mean, I still have no clue about film financing as I speak. I, I like to think I don't have a clue, um, but I, I know more than I used to know. So I think those, I've had those pockets of experiences where it's like, oh, wow, like we're really doing this. Um, but I think that I will truly feel like, mama, I made it when I make a, a real true Nigerian film that wins an Oscar. Um, this is another thing that I'm passionate about is whenever I watch Hollywood films that try to reenact the African culture, yes, they try, but there's always something missing. It's always, it's either the, the accent is, it's like, wait, what? We, we don't talk like that. Um, a good example is The Woman King, an incredible movie, really well made, but I found that there were some historical discrepancies. So this movie is talking about a time where this, um, this people, they're interacting with the Oyo Kingdom. The Oyo Kingdom is one of the biggest Yoruba kingdoms of all time, um, considered to almost be a civilization itself. And they had someone with the name Oliver, and I'm like, hold on, no. Like, what, Oliver? That's not even an African name. So how is someone who is dated back in the early 80s, 70s, how, where did they get the name Oliver from, you know? Or when you listen to how they try to speak the accent, it's just like you see Africans going, man, we don't talk like that, you know? Um, so for me, it's why I want to truly sort of dial in the, the production. And I hope that one day I'm able to make an original film where Africans don't feel like, oh, we don't talk like that. Like, I want people to feel seen in those movies. I want them to feel truly represented um, in the films that I will make. And for me, that's, that's the goal. That's when I will be like, yes, mama, we made it. And I can probably just drop my mic and just leave the stage. <laughs> so yeah, that's that would be the goal for me. Wow, wow. thank you, Tyre, for coming. My it's pleasure. Been an honor having you, and I've been wanting to interview you on this platform. <laughs> <laughs> glad, 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 I glad, you came. glad I can make it. Glad I can make yeah. it. Glad I can make it. Glad I can make it. So thank glad you so much, Tyre.